in all of my searching through other streams of our faith tradition, I always find myself coming back to like a non-denominational charismatic experience. That's just where I fit partially because I was raised in it. Uh, and also partially because for me, I think that healthy charismatic Christianity does give room for mysterious things. Um, because they allow, they, they allow you to reinterpret scripture in the moment because it feels prophetic. And God is breathing on it to use some of the language. And so it's like, this is for now, or this is for me. And to me, that's a very, very healthy approach. Because in that approach, you actually experience your identity as a child of God instead of as a servant. Like I think of like Galatians 3. And I think that mystery is realizing that everything that God has put before you is a potential tableau of the secrets of his heart that he wants to share with you. Here we are. There is 48 hours left in 2019. And so I wanted to go out with a bang and I need your help. You can help one of a couple ways. You know what's coming. Here we go. Rate and review the show on iTunes, but really seriously, truly support the show on Patreon. I can't do this show without you. There are 50 of you amazing people that do actually make this show happen. And let's see if we can get that to 60. I do have larger plans for the show. Uh, Someone asked me not long ago, you know, if you could do that for a living, would you? I was like, absolutely. Absolutely. But (laughs) we are a long way from there. How amazing would that be? If you get anything out of any of these shows, uh, consider throwing a buck, two, three, 50 cents, whatever a month towards uh, helping to create and sustain the Can I Say This a Church podcast. Uh, All those added together really do go a long way. And for those of you that already do that, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're in for a treat. So I have a friend. His name is Andrew Parks. The dude is brilliant. And you're going to see what I mean. He also is hilarious. Uh, So much laughter, so much joy in this episode. And so here's what you're in store for. There's a bit of Andrew's story, because I like to weave that into every conversation. But we talk about mysticism, what that looks like. We try to talk about what is God. And we do that through a lens of mysticism using bologna and a Diet Coke. And that doesn't make sense right now. But I promise you, if you hang out, that will make sense. Uh, And also, that line caused one of the hardest laughs I think I've ever had on the show. As I remember going through the edit, I actually had to drop the volume way down because I was laughing so hard. I'm pretty sure there's a good chance that I woke my kids up uh, as they sit above me while I record these. I am so excited to present this conversation to you. And so here we go. The man, the myth, the legend, my friend Andrew Parks. Andrew Parks, welcome to the Can I Say This at Church podcast. I'm happy that you're here, man. I always love talking with you. So how are you doing? I'm happy to be here. I'm uh, I'm doing great. I really am. And uh, I'm, it's, I'm excited to be here myself because I found you, I don't know, like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And it's been a joy ever since. 
So a bit of backstory. I don't know if I've ever told you this before or not. You were one of the first people that reached out. You're like, hey, can I call you? Like, can we just chat? And I was like, sure. Um, but then you and then a few others since then, and still to this day, I talk probably at, at least monthly, a couple times monthly with those same three people. Um, it's been uh-huh. really fun. Like, like, hey, praying for you, or hey, how you been? Hey, I knew you saw you look for a job, whatever it is. Um, so yeah. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Yeah, me too. However, everybody listening hasn't had that privilege. So what do you <laughs> want people to know about the man, the myth, the legend that is Andrew Parks? <laughs> uh, um, I probably don't want them to know that I use all three of those titles for myself. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, well, I guess, I mean, that's such a big question. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a guy that really, really, I've had a very interesting kind of upbringing in life, like a lot of different episodes in my life that I've gone through that give me kind of a very weird perspective on life. And at least I think so. And uh, I used to be really, really frustrated about that. I used to be really frustrated with all the juxtaposition in my life. And I think that who I've become is someone that really appreciates that and wouldn't trade it for these ideas of someone else that I could have been. Mm. And so I guess, yeah, you know, maybe that's kind of who I am. Yeah. Well, break that apart a bit. So just maybe, maybe we drill into maybe the last five to 10 years. Like what has that change been? What's kind of that shift that's made you? you Okay. So I'll give like a real quick, perfect. Two second backstory. Grew up in a very conservative Christian home charismatic, uh, was raised kind of like Oral Roberts tradition, open Bible churches, vineyard churches, those kinds of churches. And whenever I was uh, around 11, my parents split up. And um, when they split up, my conservative Christian home became only my mother's house. And my dad came out of the closet. And uh, to me, a couple years after the fact, and that presented my adolescence with two very different perspectives of looking at the world. And, you know, as a kid, you don't really know what grieving is or how to do it. And so you try to cling to these different people you thought you were going to become before everything changed. And that's what I meant earlier about mm. juxtaposition. Yeah. And, but in clinging to those things, in the tension of that, of that frustration, it, I really think added to me, it gave me nuance where I was a very black and white, this is how things are kind of person. And so in the last, like, I'd say, I'll go five years, I really clung for a lot of my life to like very conservative Christian values, kind of the classic evangelical conservatism with a very fearful Pentecostal flavor. Like you make one wrong mistake. You're going to hell to that unless you rededicate your life. <laughs> Why has it got to be Southern? <laughs> well, that's just, well, you know, I was raised in a certain part of Missouri and, uh, <laughs> I mean, we could do it like this, you know, just don't, you know, it's up here. You got to stop sinning now. But, uh, <laughs> Um, regardless of the accent, there was a lot of like dangling of hell and punishment and Mm -hmm. consequence. And so I, like I, when I discovered eternal security as like a doctrine that 
other conservatives had, I was, I thought they were heretics. Hmm. It was, you know, I was like, if it doesn't smell like fear, I don't even think it's what I'm supposed to be interested in. Um, and so in the last like five years, um, five years ago, I, I, oh, I had returned to school after a hiatus for several years and I graduated from school about five years ago. And my college experience was an incredible experience. I honestly felt like I had the Midas touch. Even when I made like huge mistakes, I would get forgiven quickly and would be given more resources and more influence and more opportunities. And it was very strange because a lot of people had very non-positive like Christian college experiences around me even. And um, so after leaving college, it was kind of like I left a bubble. Mm. And the thing was, I actually really felt that God told me that that bubble was going to burst um, before I left. Uh, I have it in my journal where I was in worship with some friends of mine the last semester I was in college. And God gave me this whole word and tied it together with like the story of Joshua and Caleb and all these things. And I thought it was like a word for me and a bunch of my friends there. And I shared it that way. But then later God was like, you know, that was more for you. And the, the, the gist of what God told me that day was, are you okay with going into the wilderness where the only thing you have is me? Hmm. Are you okay with leaving everything behind, leaving every blessing behind every other thing? And am I enough for you? And I didn't really get that at the time. And so whenever I left college in the bubble burst, I became very depressed and confused. And I clung to anything that gave me even like a semblance of that former feeling of like success and favor and ease. And so I won't get into the gritty details just to respect people, but um, sure. I, I followed someone. Um, I, I made a lot of decisions, not just in relationships, but personally that were not necessarily the healthiest. Um, I didn't know what I was really doing or I didn't want to know what I was doing, to be honest. And alongside that, I went through several years of very intense suffering, like went through a lot of interpersonal stuff in my immediate family that was really, really tough. I had three separate family members die all within less than a year of each other. So I had my first grandma pass away. Eight months later, my second grandma passed away. Um, seven months after that, eight months after that, my aunt passed away. Hmm. And two of those three deaths were very sudden and unexpected. And on top of that, I was wrestling with a lot of other stuff I was going through. It was just a very painful time. And in that time, about two, yeah, about two years ago, a little over two years ago, actually, I kind of just said F you to my entire Christian upbringing. Um, I was like, why am I trying to do something that isn't working for me? Yeah. Because I felt like I had bought in, I had done all the things you're supposed to do. And I'm like, okay, I've even like gone through hard stuff before. Like, where's all of the reward? Where's all of the thing? And if it's not working, why am I trying not to be who I want to be? You know, why am I putting on this false self if I'm not getting anything for it? And something happened that was kind of like the cherry on the Sunday of suffering. And I just said, F it. And yeah. became very suicidal, became very just, I just lost a lot of stuff, basically. But that moment, like go, going into that was so good for me because it allowed me to be honest with God in a way that I'd never let myself be honest with God before. Hmm. And for me, I, I can say it like very easily in this, like 
I was playing public relations for God to myself. Instead of being like, I don't like that. Why is, is this true? And questioning God. And it was so funny too, because the, my heroes in the scriptures were always these people that did question God. Yeah. Who did like Abraham, Moses argued with God and quote, changed his mind. And I love those stories. And yet I always towed the party line. Yeah. And so when I started getting honest, a lot of stuff happened that I won't get into, but something, something very divine and very powerful happened to me. That was the confluence of events. And through that, I experienced like massive healing of my own emotional issues that I'd wrestled with for over 17 years. I love that. Yeah. To this day. And I'm still like, why am I not on medication? <laughs> and that, that was such a blessing for me. It really, really was. I hesitate to go into that just because no, that's I don't fine. like. Yeah. I want to restate something that I heard you infer there. And I want to make sure I'm not miss. I want to make sure I'm not reading something that I think into what you said. So sure. it, would it be fair to say when you were able to basically just say, F you, I'm not afraid of whatever this evangelical God is anymore. I'm now have permission to be mad if I want to be mad, to be sad if I want to be sad, to yell at, cuss at, but actually mm -hmm. talk with God as opposed to just cowering in fear that is the grace of I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, get to, I get to go to heaven now, but I'm not afraid anymore. Or am I, am I inferring too much there? Um, you're inferring where I ended up. Okay. <laughs> uh, in the moment of that, it was more of a, I don't care what you're going to do to me. Okay. And it was kind of this, like, there was a point where I literally asked God, I was like, could you make me stop believing in you? Which mm. is so ironic. I know. <laughs> what, was the, what, was the what was the college? Just curious. Uh, I went to Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. It's not... one of the Assemblies of God colleges. Gotcha. I was familiar. raised in the AG as well. Yeah. Yeah. I um yeah I totally get the bubble. I had a similar bubble bursting experience after I left Liberty, which is funny because for parts of my background, Liberty was more loose or more quote liberal than some of my family is. You know, like oh that's very yeah yeah not really Liberty was liberal. Well, more liberal, not necessarily I, I, liberal. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, the comparison <laughs> yeah. just strikes fear into my heart for your yeah, family. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we can, yeah, that would be airing a lot of family laundry that I don't know that I'm prepared to do. Um, oh, yeah, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day, maybe one day. All I want is living water Take me deeper Yeah, so when we started talking back and forth about having you on, you brought up a concept of mysticism, and then we just rolled from there. And then I left you a rambling voicemail, and so I don't quite remember exactly what I said. But I know I started with, when you say the word mysticism, what actually does that mean? Like, what are you talking about when you say, like, the concept of mysticism, and then kind of how it relates to, I guess, the Christian faith, but really faith in general? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. And that really um, sparked some stuff in me. There's a lot of, like, as you know, there's a lot of definitions for mysticism. And uh, you and I have talked actually about mysticism several times on the phone in the last year. Mm -hmm. I remember one such conversation that was really, really powerful for me. 
And so I think it's important. Yeah, that's why I like the question, because I think it's important for everyone to define mysticism for themselves, because I think even the nature of mysticism um, demands that. Because to me, mysticism is best boiled down to practicing mystery for me. And that can mean a lot of different things. Like, so for me, I was raised in very charismatic spiritual gifts, baptism of the Holy Spirit style churches. I had the classic traditional baptism of the Holy Spirit experience when I was like 10 or 11 years old, around the same time that my parents like divorced and my life fell apart and all this stuff. It was very, very interesting. Uh, how it all kind of came together. But so for me, I was introduced to mystical practice and experience in an ecstatic fashion, which is what a lot of like charismatic churches are. It's a lot of noise and a lot of moving and a lot of uh, just very wild experiences happening. There are contemplative, quieter like zones within that. But stuff I grew up with was very demonstrative. Mm. Um, And so for me, I think that's actually part of why I really connect to performance um, because I I like to act and I like to write and I like to do artistic stuff, but I like to share it. And I think part of that does actually play into that where the demonstration is a part of the validation of the experience. But when I say practicing mystery, that, that, that gives an openness to so many other things that even like myself, I discovered like for so long, because of my conservative upbringing, if anyone even said the word meditation, I was like, you're a witch, you know, or whatever. (laughs) And then when I finally started practicing meditation and it, and it was blessing me like to high heaven, I was like, Oh, I, I realized I could include it in everything I was already doing. And that, that, you know, stuff like that, that's realizing practicing mystery because to me the mystery was wait that was a practice that i was told growing up is not christian and never christian but then i experienced christ through it and i'm like oh maybe maybe there's something i don't know yeah so it's it's you could also say it's embracing the experience of not knowing at the same time as well so i'm not in the the streams of the assembly of God, any of that. Um, Mm -hmm. The streams that I am in are sit still, sit quiet. If you get up, it better be to go to the bathroom. Like you don't, (laughs) mm -mm. you're lucky we let your kids talk. Although the ministers that I'm friends with and the minister that I go to church with, he literally, please keep your kids. Like I love to hear them bickering in the back row because I need them here to participate. And it matters that they're here. Please don't silo them off in the nursery, unless there's a good reason, like it needs to be, p- please keep them here. They are yeah. just as much a part of this body as everyone else. So don't, don't feel like they're distracting me. Cause I've got this sermon memorized. Like we're, we're fine. I've got you. <laughs> so how does the concept of mysticism kind of plug into that? Because for, for the, the streams that I was in, it doesn't like it's, no, it's too rigid to really embrace. And so for me, mis- I, I agree with you. Mysticism is really important. Uh, but for me, like even something as simple as the examine is mystical for me because it's entirely, oh, it is. It's entirely yeah. foreign. Yeah. So what does that look like for someone coming out of the streams that you have come out of? Well, you know, in all of my searching through other streams of our faith tradition, I always find myself coming back to like a non-denominational charismatic experience. That's just where I fit mm-hmm. partially because I was raised in it. Yeah. Uh, and also partially because for me, I think that healthy charismatic Christianity does give room 
for mysterious things. Um, because they allow they they allow you to reinterpret scripture in the moment because it feels prophetic and God is breathing on it to use some of the language. And so it's like, this is for now, or this is for me. And to me, that's a very, very healthy approach. Because in that approach, you actually experience your identity as a child of God instead of as a servant. Like I think of like Galatians 3, and I think that mystery is realizing that everything that God has put before you is a potential tableau of the secrets of his heart that he wants to share with you. And if you begin to idolize something to the point that if it looks different than what you expect, you can't engage with it, you're cutting yourself off from experiencing a piece of God that you couldn't have experienced before. And so for people, for like, for me coming out of it, it was really just being, instead of me like saying, that's not okay, or that's not good, or that's not approved or appropriate in this spiritual journey I'm on, instead of reacting against it, the posture is stillness. Mm. I only think that from a place of stillness can you really experience mystery because to experience something, you have to look at it as objectively as possible. And we are fed narratives from the time that we're born, basically, about how things are supposed to be. And we need to realize that those narratives are just rough drafts. Hmm. that we can edit the story that we want to tell. And so to me, mysticism is, in a sense, practicing that editorial right that we have as children of God, as being people that Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom to. Yeah. You know? I can't remember when I read it or where I read it. And I'm hoping I'm not getting this person wrong. It might be. But if I remember, I it's it's Evagarius... Ponticus was a Christian mystic, and I feel like I read it's in the book right over there. This is going to annoy me. I'm, I know I'm <laughs> saying his name wrong because I think I'm spelling it wrong in my head. But basically, he he described Christian mystics as somebody that's pursuing like a threefold path of illumination, unification, and purification of both our soul our spirit and our body, which really works well when you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all with it, it makes a hundred percent sense. So what practices are you doing now that kind of fall into line with that? Cause you reference meditation and would you call that spirit or would you call that mind? Like what would you call that when you're practicing like that? How is that connecting you back to the divine? And then what are some of the other practices that you're doing to kind of help you? Well, I don't exactly think that way with the stuff that I do practice mm -hmm. because for me, categorization a lot of times, this is for me personally, mm -hmm. uh, categorization of stuff like that kind of pulls me out of it, pulls me out of like being present in whatever it is that I'm doing. And, and so like for me, it's like the concept of everything is spiritual. So it's like body, soul, spirit is all so intertwined. They're, they're inseparable. And I would almost like to say close to unrecognizable from each other, kind of like in a very Jewish approach to kind of reality. So that actually is a big way that I practice mysticism. When I'm doing like a regular thing, mm -hmm. I am attempting, which uh, that's not the right word. I am being as present as possible in that. And I'm, and I, I cultivate what I like to, what, what you could just call openness 
where I'm just like, God, if you want to say something in this, if you want to speak to me in this, do it. You know, for example, I watched um, Westworld for the first time this past year. Is that any good? It's on my uh, list, but I've I've heard that it's either off. I've heard it's either awful or mm-hmm. the best thing that you've ever watched. And I was like, well, the fact that nobody's in the middle here really scares me because I don't want to lose those hours. I think you would absolutely love it. Um, as long as you can get past, you know, it's typical HBO fashion. First couple episodes mm-hmm. have that hot to trot, you know, sexual violent bit to get people hooked. And then they like tease you with it for the rest of the show to keep you on the keep you on the line. As long as you can get past some of that gratuitous stuff, which there's really not a lot of gratuitous stuff in this one, which is why I like it so much. Uh, Westworld is honestly one of the best things I've ever watched. Hmm. I love it. But that's because I say that because of how I watched it. I watched it as if it was a parable that could teach me something instead of just entertain me. (laughs) I engaged with it. Hmm. And that to me is what we can do with anything. And that is one of the biggest practices that I have is attempting to look at anything, anywhere at any time and be like, what does this have to say about me, about God, about my relationship with God, my relationship with others, that kind of stuff is huge for me. Hmm. The other way, I'm a big music person. And so it doesn't have, I really actually like listening to ambient, no lyrics stuff, like um, anything really post-Rocky. Like my one of my favorite bands of all time is Hammock. I listen to them all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I, shout out to Hammock, they're fantastic. <laughs> and it's all soundscapes. And I will turn that stuff on and I will use that because music is so potent for me. I use that as kind of like a springboard. So the best way I can encourage anyone to practice mysticism is to find the thing that connects them to God the quickest and the easiest. The thing where they're like, I'm feeling the divine. I'm experiencing God, whatever, whatever the closest thing to that is for you, go there. And Mm. it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be Christian approved. That's, that's the thing that to me is very important. You have to have the flexibility to say, man, whenever I have a bologna sandwich and a Diet Coke, I feel God, man. And if that's <laughs> what works, do that thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> I can't. I got him. I, I got him real good. I can't do it. Um, well, I had a question. And it really feels like a weird question after a bologna sandwich and diet coke. Um, I hear that and I agree with it. And I agree with music. Um, music moves oh, yeah, me. Like I so for instance, so today we went to Richmond for a thing for family and we rode with her, my father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Mostly because he knew where he was going, but also uh, we don't really spend a lot of time with them. He travels a lot for work and he offered and sure, we'll all go together. Yeah, it was good. Spent the whole day with, um, you know, her stepmom and and my father in law, uh, and her. It was great. But as soon as we got into the car, the radio's immediately on. And she looked at me. She's like, "Did you miss that?" I was like, "He didn't have the radio on all day." Like I literally felt disconnected. It doesn't even matter what the music is. I literally felt disconnected. Like a heartbeat was missing without some rhythm in the background. It didn't. It didn't matter what it was. I, I don't know. That's if, interesting. Yeah, I just. I need it. Like music for me is is very powerful. Like I build playlists to read scripture to. Like I. I, I shoot. I built a playlist for the show, and I don't know if anyone listens. It's so to it. good. 
I, so I change the order quite frequently mm-hmm. um, with my moods because I, I mostly have it for me. Um, I, I like that other people listen, but it's mostly like cause yeah. every single one of those songs brings me back to whatever I was talking about with a guest at that time, almost oh, instantaneously. Wow. wow. Yeah. So I can shuffle things in my mind that way. So I'm with you. Wait, so is there music going right now? Uh, right now? No, because oh. I don't, it would be too hard to edit out. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know if you just had it in your, in your, uh, ear, earphones. No, I would, I would be doing this the whole time. It just bothered my head. <laughs> yeah. It would be too hard to edit out. Although often when I'm talking with people, I am writing down my emotions on a sheet that is literally here on a sheet of paper with timestamps of how I was feeling as you were talking. So that as that I'm... That is fantastic. Welcome to Behind the Music. <laughs> as I'm listening. Seth that, Price. That way I can try to match something. Like I'm like, I heard, I felt that before. When, when was that? You know, that if, is if that such sense. a good practice. That's great. So if you're finding the thing that connects you to God, sometimes I think that can be healthy. But how can that be? Like, is there a way to avoid that becoming unhealthy? Because depending on what that is, I can see that being an unhealthy practice. So how? what would you advise mm-hmm. for people from what you've learned? Like, kind of here's how you dip your toe in, but also here's where you kind of learn. I can't go past the three-foot mark. I haven't, got, I haven't quite got past the dog paddle section of mysticism here. So how do we do this healthily? Well... So the way that I define mysticism allows me to think that a lot of people are practicing mysticism, even when they're not mm-hmm. like in a classic sense, but I look at it. I'm like, like, cause one of the things that I love to blow my mind with is just thinking about the nature of existence. And I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll just be sitting there and be like, why is there something rather than nothing? It's 42. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Always been 42. Oh, praise be Douglas Adams. <laughs> uh, but uh, so in that, I really believe like it's, it's why it's become so easy for me to learn to hold things loosely in my hand. Because when I look at the nature of reality, it doesn't make sense. Like even with the most tight, like cosmology that you can derive from scripture and theological texts and all these other things or whatever, it still is like, why? Like there is a sense of absurdity to reality. And so living and projecting meaning and engaging with reality is a mystical practice because you are doing it in a literal mystery. Mm. Um, that does have structure, that does have boundaries. This isn't just some amorphous relative postmodern blob that we're all just hallucinating. There is something to this. So I say that because I really believe that some people could take, find the thing that connects you to God and uh, just do it as, oh, I'm going to do the thing that I really want to do that I feel like I shouldn't do. That's not what I'm saying. I really believe that like at the base level, whoever you are, you kind of have a sense of what's good for you in this moment. Like you can say, this is, this is really good for me. And even whenever you're like not feeling it or whatever, it's kind of like the idea of like you're a kid and you know, you should eat your vegetables, but you don't want to eat your vegetables. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, okay, this actually is good for me, blah, 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 blah. And so in that, I really don't think there's a danger um, unless your danger is to lose yourself. Hmm. 
And what I mean is if you're trying to practice mystical disciplines, wh whether it's the examine or meditation or a bologna and a Diet Coke, whatever it is, <laughs> if you're trying to hide in it, if you're trying to escape from reality, that's not healthy. Like too often I get so esoteric and I lose myself to where the adage, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good comes to pass for me. Now, the reality of that statement is if we're truly heavenly minded, we will be incredibly good for the earth. But we know what that, you know, kind of connotates when it says that. Yeah. And so you have to deal with your own crap. Like whatever you've been through, whatever wounds you've suffered, whatever suffering you've experienced, it doesn't matter if you get a, a magnificent miracle of healing, you still need to look and see, is this affecting me? Have I agreed with this wound in some way that goes beyond the healing to where I'm going to live as if this is still true? And in do, that, that's basically just a fancy way of saying you need to process your grief. You need yeah. to heal from your wounds. Yes. So healthy mysticism is engaging with the God who heals you, not engaging with the God who snuffs you out in some oblivion ecstatic experience. Yeah. Those things happen. But those things aren't what it's about. It's about salvation. Mm. And salvation is full restoration of you and the created order around you. I want to borrow some things. So you write, every so often you write, and I told you this before, you really should write more. Um, but I'm going to borrow, I have it pulled up. So oh. I want to borrow from this and then I want to springboard a question off of it. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the question is now, and then I'm going to read what you wrote because uh, I feel like it's a it's a short question, but it's a huge one. And so I really want to know. So we we've said the word God. I don't know how many times tonight, but I want to frame. So for Andrew, when I say God, this is what I mean. So that's the question I'm going to, and I I know it's a big question, and so I'm going to go ahead and give you that ahead of time. But the reason I ask it is this. So you wrote on on your blog. Uh, and I don't know which blog post it is. Um, I don't even know how many the are only there. The one right now. Perfect. I did it. <laughs> so here's about midway through, you say, you know, singing to God has always been the easiest way for me to settle down and connect. And then I'll skip a bit. And so you say, so while the music was playing that evening, I just stopped to listen to God, soak in his God's peaceful, quiet presence and the theological things that you've been wrestling with, which we alluded to earlier in the episode. And you said, you know, so I asked God, are these things I'm studying really describing you? And then you go on to ask a few more questions. And then you say, you basically say, I heard God say, Andrew, you know me. Am I like that? And so I want to end at that with that conversation. Like when you say God now, like what do you mean? Like what is, who is, whom is, whatever verbs you want to use or pronouns. I don't know how grammar works. What is that? Yeah, you're right. That's a big question. And I think I'm going to go somewhere with it that I, okay, I'm just going to go there. Stay with me here. Okay. Stay with me here. God is me and I am everyone else. And everyone else is an expression of that whom God loves, which is God's own son, who I'm one with. And so 
For me, God is the one who is closer than my own skin. God is the one who is there no matter what is going on. God is the one who is seated at the deepest, most innermost parts of who I am. God is the one who has cleaned the inside of the cup and stays inside the cup to make sure the inside never gets dirty again. Hmm. That's who God is for me. Um, and when I said, why I said God is me at the beginning is because the journey of Jesus Christ that has transformed me and had actual fruit in my life, legitimate personal change, all comes from a place of God revealing that I'm his kid and that I am of the same substance as he is. Um, I've actually had an image in my mind that I, it comes up almost every time I talk about God with people. Um, you know, you call it a picture or a vision or whatever you want to call it. I just, I just see, I see this big gigantic oak tree, huge oak tree, just branches shooting out everywhere, all this stuff. And then I see a little oak tree sapling, like where the branches go out and underneath where an acorn dropped. And God is like, I'm the oak tree and you're the sapling. Meaning that while I don't look exactly like I think God looks, the substance of my being is the same substance of God's being. And that is who God is to me. Hmm. I'm going to have to listen to that a few times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a few times. I like the answer. Um, and, and so the reason I ask you, I'm going to begin asking that question to everybody that's episodes come out in 2020 because it was asked to me. It's a good question. It's a very, very good question. It's how you find out what someone's actually talking about. Right. Well, they, it was asked to me and I sat there. I was like, I, it, and so what, and then what happened was it took me, it took me a long, I still don't quite, I, if you asked me, I don't think I could answer the question, which I'm not afraid of um, at all. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Um, that's so good. Fear. Okay, can I just real quick say something about fear? Yeah, absolutely. Fear is one of those things that when you see it, you can always say no to it. Because mm. fear is not caution. Fear is not wisdom. Fear is fear, and it deserves no voice in anyone's life. It's the remnants of our animal nature speaking to our bones, introducing sin into our flesh, as Paul would put it. Mm. Fear is the means by which our body stays enslaved to sin. Mm, absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I saw a quote from uh, Mr. Rogers the other day uh, that, Ooh, that reminds man. me of that. It said, and now I, I want to be real clear, I'm probably getting this wrong because um, I briefly saw it as you know, you're scrolling through the things on Facebook, but I saw Mr. Yeah. Rogers and it wasn't Tom Hanks Rogers. It was the legit Rogers. <laughs> Not that I don't like Tom Hanks. He seems like hey, a great guy. Hey, they're six cousins, man. They're six cousins. Are they really? Aren't we all though? Yeah, there was like some <laughs> dumb promotional story that came out. It's like, aren't we all six cousins? Yeah, like, what are you talking about? yeah why not? Um, but it said, basically, uh, someone interviewed him and said, you know, how do we solve the problem of evil? Which was basically the question. And he's like, well, evil can't thrive where there's forgiveness. So if you would just forgive people, there is, evil can't thrive when you forgive. It's just not possible. Wow. And I think I'm badly paraphrasing that. I'll have to find it again now that it's annoying me that I don't have it. So, But yeah, no, I love that. And I agree with fear. Yeah. The best that I've come up with so far is God... The best words that I have for God are a metaphor that I can't quite voice yet. And that's 
the <laughs> best it's the best answer that I have yet. Like if you say God is a metaphor, I can't quite voice can't yet. Can't quite get it yet. Um I don't know what the words are. I don't have the words. Um I think that might be the point. That is one of the most so profound answers on God I think I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, but it's just one sentence. So I can't I can't, I can't keep it. I've got to flesh it out. Those more. are the better ones. They're like they're like Zen Cohen's that you have to unravel and look at and figure out. Uh, that's what I like the just like tokens that you can swirl around in your fingers, you know. So what's next, Andrew? So we reference that you have a blog, but there's only one thing there, and so I'm going to use this as 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 a juxtaposition to use a big. You, you used a, a, a dime word when when it's late at night. We need penny and nickel words. You used a big word. You know, we used esoteric. We've used a bunch of big words here. So I'm going to. Far too many. I'm going to I'm going to vaunt you and vault you towards that. So what is what is next for you? So I know you know, you talked in the past. You got a lot of ideas, a lot of plans of where you want to go. So what is next? Um, right now I am working on short stories. Mm. And so I was debating a lot about what I wanted to write for a while. Cause I have like several blogs like in process and I have like a partial book outline and uh, like some different stuff, like autobiographical stuff and some ideas for non autobiographical stuff. But uh, the thing that has really captured my attention a lot in the last year has been story. And not the stories I grew up on in church that were so blatant, like no one could miss them, like parables, stories that you're like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like stories because stories can be a mirror and I want to write really good stories. And so I'm working on that. And I don't know if those are going to be like released or if it's just going to be practiced for the next thing mm-hmm. or I can write a much bigger one. But that is there. Um, I also am hoping to launch my own podcast um, in start in by February. I've got a, a meeting out of this week or next week with the two other co-hosts and uh, we're going to get that going. Working title right now for that is um, Dad's House. And the reason for that is because the, my two other co-hosts are named Dylan and Dubim, and it's D-A-D. And I'm like, my dad's house, <laughs> father. I don't know. I like my father in heaven. We know the dad, you know, some terrible. But then I realize I'm going to have to try to explain that every episode. And I'm like, I don't know if I really want to do that. No, you don't. You uh, just explain it in the first episode. And then you'll know if people are actual, like, true, <laughs> hardcore, you know. <laughs> Like, 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 for instance, here we go. I don't know if you've ever watched Breaking Bad or if anyone else has that's oh, listening. But if yes. I say, say my name, I don't need to tell you what that means. And I'm not going to, because if I told you, it would ruin it. You have to earn it. You got to earn it. <laughs> so You got to earn that biz for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what's next. Thanks for, for those good questions. That's one of the things I really like about your style is whether it's on the podcast or whether it's in person or on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you ask good questions mm. and good questions produce good answers, mm. you know, and I half of getting to where you want to be is the question. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for coming on, Andrew. I've enjoyed it. We're going to have to do oh, it again. It's a, it's a little bucket list, you know, thing for me. So it's a real treat. <laughs> well, good. Oh, my good. Oh, my good. It's fine.
I really like the way that Andrew is looking for practices in everyday life. And I like that part that he said there where whatever it is that you feel laser focuses you into the divine, whatever that is, use that as a practice to talk with God. It doesn't have to be anything special. It just needs to be intentional. It doesn't need to be special. It can be a bologna and Diet Coke. However, to be clear, I don't really like bologna and I do not drink Coca-Cola at all. But you understand where we're going. I am thankful for voices and for friends like Andrew. This was a blast to do. I'm also very thankful for the generosity and trust of Ry Cox for the use of his music in this episode. You can find links in the show notes for everything that Andrew's up to, as well as Rise Music. And as always, that will be added to the Spotify playlist for the show, which is also in the show notes. I cannot wait for this year to unfold. I am really excited to see what happens, the conversations we'll have. I'm excited to dig into new things. I will talk with you next week. Be blessed. Oh my